0: Welcome to another episode of If You Don't Like That. Today's show is brought to you by New Works Plumbing, of Sacramento For your plumbing needs and repairs, just go to newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. NewWorks Plumbing, they've got a fixed view. And remember, they're available around the clock, 24-7, for all of your plumbing needs and repairs. That's newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. I wanted to share with you my friendship with Scott Pollard. And what I experienced this weekend at the Vanderbilt Medical Center in Vanderbilt, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee, I should say. Miracle. Absolutely unbelievable. I met Scott when he first came to the Sacramento Kings. He was signed during the season and we were in Philadelphia. And I remember standing on the floor and he had just been signed, getting ready to do the game. And he was in the layup line behind me. And I said, hey, I'm the TV announcer, Grant Neepier. Very nice to meet you. And he said, hey, thank you. Nice to meet you too. And little did I know that from that moment on, it would forge a friendship that has lasted and gone above and beyond uh, my wildest imagination. Scott, after the game, was one of the first players on the bus. And I remember walking on the bus, and he was already on the bus, And there were probably only four other people on the bus outside of the arena in Philadelphia. And Scott was listening to some music. He was listening to the Moody Blues. And I'm like, well, you know, this is different. And I love the Moody Blues. So I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. And then about, I don't know, five minutes later, 10 minutes later, while some other people were still getting on the bus, Rick Mahorn walks on the bus. And he goes, Scott, are you on here? Because, you know, the bus is dark. And Scott gets up, and I see him walk out and give Mahorn a big embrace. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if Scott's tight with Rick Mahorn, that tells me all I need to know about Scott Pollard. And Scott ended up being a fan favorite in Sacramento for his blue-collar work ethic. Uh, I became very good friends with Scott. Scott was a very popular figure on that team. Uh, He was beloved by his teammates, by the people in the media that covered Scott, And he was always willing to do something for the fans. He was always making appearances. But, you know, if you saw Scott out and about, uh, he would stop. He'd be more than happy to talk to you, take a photograph. Scott loved playing in Sacramento. He said there was nothing like it. It reminded him of his uh, college days when he played for the Kansas Jayhawks. And Scott really did endear himself to the community and vice versa. You know, it was really a perfect marriage, so to speak. And uh, when Scott was traded... To Indiana, following his uh, stint in Sacramento, uh, he was devastated, devastated. Uh, it broke his heart, no pun intended there. Um, I mean, it really did. he He was really sad uh, to go to Indiana. He loved playing in Sacramento and loved everyone around the organization. But while Scott was there, uh, I became very friendly with him. Uh, we would vacation together. Even during the NBA All Star weekend, sometimes. And uh, Scott would just be willing to do anything to help out anyone. Uh, He was very gracious. Uh, Scott, at times, will appear not to be very educated. He's one of the smartest people that I've ever been around. Uh, He is extremely smart. He's got a great wit about him. And he'd be the first to admit, you know, his wit sometimes gets him in trouble. Uh, because he is extremely spontaneous and sometimes he'll say something and he'll go, gee, man, what did I say that for? And he'll be the first one to admit that. Uh, but I love Scott and uh, consider him a family member and have been Indiana a number of times to stay at his house. And whenever we went in to play the Indiana Pacers, we would always go out before the game or after the game, depending on the team's travel plans. So Scott is a, a special person uh, in my life. And uh, I flew to Sacramento last week to attend the uh, memorial service of one of my best friends whose dad passed and so uh, on the way to this service I was thinking a lot about Scott who had just recently gone into intensive care at Vanderbilt Medical Center and I had been texting Scott every day and have been texting him every day for months and so I'm very well aware of Everything that's gone on with his medical history. No male figures ever lived past 55 in his family. Uh, heart issues have been very uh, apparent in his family and it runs in his family. And so uh, Scott knew that, you know, the heart was going to be an issue, particularly uh, as he became older. He just turned 49 a week ago, Monday. And so I decided that I was going to go see Scott. And so I booked a flight leaving Sacramento at 1040 on Friday night because I had the memorial service to go to. And I got a message. Well, let me back up. I got a message from Scott when I was watching the Super Bowl. And he said, hey, uh, they think they found a heart for me. I may be going in tomorrow. And I'm like, wow, that is great. And then Monday came and I sent him a message. I go, hey, are you still a go? He said, I don't know yet. And then 30 minutes later, he said, nope, the heart's not good for me. So, again, he started to wait and wait. And then on Thursday night, uh, I got a message. He goes, I think they found a perfect heart for me. It looks like we are definitely doing this tomorrow. I will be going in the OR at 11 a.m. And so I got up on Friday morning, and I sent Scott a message. I'm thinking, gee, there's no way he's going to get back to me. And he did. And he said, still haven't heard, but last last thing is that it looks like it's going to work. And literally... About 30 to 45 minutes later, I got a message from Scott saying, I just saw a video of the heart that I'm getting today. And he said, I'm going into surgery real soon. And I said, I love you, buddy. I'm praying for you. And then I said, I need to tell you something. And he said, What's that? I said, I was going to fly in and surprise you, but I'm not going to, you yeah, know, obviously, I'm not going to be able to see you now. So, I just wanted to let you know, I'm going to be there to give Dawn a hug and tell her I love her, and I'm just going to be there with you in spirit. But obviously, I won't be able to see you. And he went into surgery, and on Friday night, I got on the flight. And I get to Charlotte, and I had a two-hour layover, and I get to Nashville, and I land at about 8.30 in the morning. I go drop my bags off at the hotel I'm staying at getting an Uber, and it's only a mile and a half to Vanderbilt Medical Center. And I get there at about, I don't know, 9.15 maybe, 9.30. I didn't really look at what time it was. And I messaged Dawn, and I go, hey, um, I'm in the waiting room on the fifth floor right outside of intensive care. And she goes, wow, I will be right there to come get you. And I'm thinking, come get me. There's no way I'm going to be able to see Scott. He just had open heart surgery less than 24 hours ago. And she comes out and we embrace. And it was a long embrace. And she goes, come on. And I'm like, wow. And she takes me into intensive care. And I walk into Scott's room. And his eyes were closed when I walked in. But then he opens his eyes. And he looks at me. I go, buddy. Wow. And we had pretty much a normal conversation. And I couldn't believe it. I was like blown away that I was talking with Scott pretty much normally. And I stayed there for three, well, two and a half, three hours. And while I was there, a nurse and a physical therapist came in and said, Hey, you know what? Okay. Let's go. Let's go. We got to get to work today. And Scott's got many, 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 many IVs to, you know, I mean, it looked like I can't even begin to tell you how much stuff was hooked up to his body. So they talked to Scott. He's got a pair of socks on and the, uh, the physical therapist says, you know, I'm not really comfortable with you standing with socks on because I don't want you to slip and fall. So he had a pair of basketball shoes that he put on and eventually... They got Scott sitting upright, and then Scott stood, and I just couldn't believe it. I could not believe what my eyes were were seeing. Like this is a guy that less than 24 hours ago had heart transplant surgery, and now he was standing, and then he sat down, then he stood up again, and then they had him go sit in a chair, and he was in that chair for, well, he was in that chair until I left, and then. Later that day, Dawn put out a video on Facebook of Scott going for a walk with the walker around intensive care, and I'm just thinking, that's a miracle, and I learned a lot from talking with Scott. The equipment manager for the Sacramento Queen, uh, Kings, uh, Dwayne Wilson, also in the last two years has had heart transplant surgery, and I have followed his path through getting a heart and everything else. And so just in in talking with Dwayne and following his story, I had a degree of education but not not a lot, but when Scott was going through his intensive care waiting for heart, I googled a lot and I wanted to educate myself. And first and foremost, you know, you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You only get a heart because of the misfortune of another human. And so your 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 gift of life, your jubilation with your loved ones is sorrow and heartbreak for the other family. And forgive me for my puns, you know, with the word heart, but I'm, it's a figure of speech and that's how I talk. And so I, I know it may not be appropriate to say heartbreak, but it, it's an analogy. And I think you understand the point I'm trying to make. Maybe it's not the best choice of adjectives right now but I'm not trying to be funny here because there's, this is no laughing matter when a donor is giving up a heart and other body parts when it's time for them to go to heaven. Um, what a gift. What a gift. And I think it's also worth noting that I talked to Scott about that aspect of all of this. And he said, you know, it's really, it's it's, it's a mind, it, it's a... I won't use the adjective that he described but yeah you understand right you get a heart because someone else just died and you know digest that for a moment that you're getting in your body okay a live beating heart that was just in the body of somebody else hours before and now they're no longer alive so there there's a lot that goes into this but in talking with Scott uh, He was supposed to get that heart on Monday and I learned a lot just this past weekend from being with Scott and he said, you know, everything works. I said, he said, everything happens for a reason. That heart I was getting on Monday was considered a high risk heart and he explained to me what a high risk heart was and he said the heart that I got yesterday was a perfect heart for me and it's not high risk and the size was perfect and uh, everything else. So Scott is sitting um in the chair. And the cardiologist comes in and he has this breathing mechanism. It's like a tube that you blow into or you blow uh you you inhale. Not exhale, you inhale into the tube. And basically it measures your your oxygen and because when you get heart transplant surgery, um it affects your lungs greatly. I don't know if this is a hundred percent accurate, but I think it is. Your, your lungs are deflated to make room for the placement of the heart. And if they're not completely deflated, the point is that you have to build up the oxygen again in, in your heart. And I don't have the medical term, but uh, the cardiologist goes, this is what you're going to do. I want to see what your output is. And Scott inhaled onto the tube and the cardiologist started smiling and giggling. And he goes, wow. He goes. That's really, really good, and he started to explain to Scott why he was doing it, and he wanted him to do it ten to fifteen times a day or more. And he was asking Scott, you know, what did he feel? And Scott said, Yeah, I've, you know, it hurts my chest to do that. He goes, That's fine. He said, Let me see you do it again, <laughs> and the and the and the cardiologist started laughing, <laughs> and he goes, I go. I, I said, Pretty good, huh, Doc? And he said, Yeah, he's a week ahead of where he's supposed to be right now. And I go, Really? He goes, Yeah, really. He goes, Scott, I, I don't I don't I don't see this, you know, less than twenty-four hours after heart transplant surgery. He said, Wow. He said, Yeah, you are way ahead of the game. He goes, Wow. He kept on saying, Wow. And uh but then Scott was talking about he had a couple of areas of discomfort. One on the side where he had um Again, I want to say like part of the tubes or whatever. Uh, again, I, I'm not a doctor, so I can't really put it into medical terms. But in layman terms, he's got a lot of stuff hooked up to his body. And so the doctor said, Scott, I can do one or two things. I can either I alle- I can, I can reduce the pain on your side or I can reduce the pain on your chest, but I can't do both. And so they talked about it for a while. And I, I left. Uh, I had a flight that... Um, well, he had family members coming in and I, I didn't want to take any more time and I so I left after spending a couple of hours and I walked out of that hospital feeling so good. I felt I, I felt like I had witnessed a miracle. I could not believe that I was in a hospital room with a dear friend who had just had heart transplant surgery, who was able to stand up, who was able to you know inhale and have the the meter go all the way to the top to the disbelief of the cardiologist uh just to be there with Scott. And then Dawn later that night showing a video of Scott walking with his walker around intensive care. And then yesterday, Scott did two laps around intensive care, not consecutively, one in the morning and one later at night. And I'm just like... Look, listen, has he changed my perspective on things? Yeah, it has a little bit, okay? It really has. Going through that experience and seeing what he went through and learning about what donors must go through in their families and like, you know, the misfortune of one individual is a gift of life for another individual. And I just wish that more people would we'll become organ donors because after what I saw yesterday, or I should say on Saturday, is something that I will never forget. Never. I will never forget those two and a half or three hours in the hospital room of Scott Pollard. I will never forget his determination, his perseverance. I will never forget Dawn, his wife, and everything that she's gone through. And What a saint that lady is. I called her a saint on the top of Mount Everest. She's unbelievable. But I wanted to share with you what that experience was like for me to go walk into the room. Because I did not think that after Scott had heart transplant surgery, on a surgery, by the way, that only lasted five hours that I would be able to see him. I thought he would be in a secluded area. They they wouldn't want anybody coming in with any germs or you know what I mean? Let's face it. I thought he would be completely out of it. I thought he would be, you know, medically, you know, sleeping and drugs and you know what I mean? Like I I just didn't think there was any way in the world I was going to go see Scott. But not only did I see Scott, I saw a normal Scott. I saw a Scott that was making jokes with the nurses. I saw a Scott who was, you know, giggling. I saw a Scott like I I saw the real Scott Pollard on, on his hospital bed less than one day after receiving a new heart. And I'm just like, medical technology. Wow. Medical technology. So continue to pray for Scott and Dawn and his family. And if you're not an organ donor, think about becoming an organ donor because there's nothing more powerful than the gift of life. And Scott. Knock on wood because there's still a long way to go. Hopefully his body accepts that heart fully. I, So far, he's just light years ahead of where he should be. And that's a very positive sign because they think it is a perfect heart for Scott Pollard who's 6'11", and he needed a bigger heart from a obviously a larger person. So everything just happened to work out, and I'm blessed and I'm grateful that Scott is such a dear friend, but I'm I'm grateful that I had that experience in my life to kind of live through somebody else. And it gave me such an appreciation for our doctors and surgeons and donors and I was just like a wow. You know, I, I don't know what else to say. I wanted to talk about this because it was a wow experience for me. It was a wow experience. I'm not gonna do a rant today. I, I don't think it's appropriate. There's nothing to rant on what I experienced this weekend. The doctors at Vanderbilt Medical Center, the nurses, the staff, uh, I watched you. You're amazing, as are our medical professionals all over the country, and really around the world for that matter, they never get enough credit. They never get enough credit, particularly the nurses and the physical therapists, and they never get enough credit. You know, it's it's the doctors that seemingly get all the credit and justifiably so they're great and the surgeons, but boy, the people that really do all the work, boy, the nurses that I watched, they're incredible. Hats off to the people in the medical profession. Pray for Scott, pray for Dawn, and thank you for allowing me uh, to share this experience with you because it has really changed my perspective on some things. Again, think about becoming an organ donor if you're not. Change your life. Give the gift of life. Please, give the gift of life. Thank you so much for joining me right here on If You Don't Like That. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Have a great week. And thank you so much for joining me here on If You Don't Like That. So long, everybody.